trying to talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look cause you were too cool But now we're older and we're playing by the new rules We lived and learned Cause it's time Hello again everybody and welcome back to Card Advantage I am Clues, one of your faithful hosts And joining me as always is the other faithful host, Rich Rich, how are you tonight? I'm doing good Doing Great good. Great. It's good to talk to you. Uh, we haven't been able to record for a couple of weeks because of some scheduling issues. I was off in uh, the wilds of West Virginia, away from most of the internets and all of the cell phones for a while. I uh, went to uh, a radio telescope, you know, as as an astronomer is wont to do from time to time. So He likes to listen to the stars. I do. I do. They tell me things. They whisper. They whisper dark secrets that man was not meant to know. Sounds awesome. Uh, no, actually, they they don't. But but spoilers happen, right? The the whole set gets spoiled while I was gone. So of course it did. Yeah. So we are here recording at the beginning of July in 2015, which means that the pre-release for Magic Origins, the final core set for a certain value of final, is just around the corner. And we now have the entire set, and we as a show. And as as a pair, have not actually had a chance to talk about these cards. So tonight, dear listeners, we're going to do that, because I'm sure you were thinking to yourself, you know, I wonder what Rich and Clues think about, uh, I don't know, this particular card. What what do they think about that? Well, we might talk about it. Probably not, though. We'll probably pick cards at random uh, to talk about. So, sorry, I'm sure we'll miss the card you like. You, specifically. Yeah, the one with the headphones. It's going to we'll happen. Be, we'll be semi um, sporadic, but for the most part, I think we're going to hit some of the big stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I can predict right now that Rich is going to hate some green cards. What? No way. I don't believe that. I don't hate green. Shh. <laughs> Clues. Clues in his ways. Uh, yeah, I know. I was away for so long, I've completely lost touch with what Rich is into, so... It happens. But hey, I want to ask you first, are you going to a pre-release this weekend? I'm going to try. Okay. But promises can't be made. I understand. I understand. I just wanted to make you aware of a couple of things, just in case you are, or any of our listeners are headed out to a pre-release, which you should. I love pre-releases. I think everyone should attend them. Find your local game stores, support them, uh, totally go to a pre-release. So you know how for the past several pre-releases we have had these pre-release boxes where you like pick a, a faction or a guild or a god or but I don't know a random number between one and five and you you get this box and in the box is some stuff and it's usually like a spin down die uh, a little card with some activities maybe a card with some some background information and then it's got like five booster packs that are some mix of the current. Core, uh, the current sets that make up whatever block we're in. And then one seeded booster pack that has mostly cards of that particular faction or god or color or guild or whatever it is, right? So this is a thing that's been going on. This time around, they're doing something a little different, and I'd like to know how you feel about it. So now... Inside of your box, you've got all that random stuff, and you get six packs of MTG Origins, plus a, like, seven-card seated booster that is in your colors. Hmm. Yeah. So, how do you feel about that? I don't, I don't know. Um, kind of don't like it, because it's more than six packs. 
Yeah. So there's there's kind of my fr- I'm I'm uneasy about it, right? But I I also am not a huge fan of the boxes. Look, I I get it. I see why people do like them. I just know from a tournament organizer or a judge standpoint, it creates a hassle. It, it creates what I've I've described as a uh, resource management metagame that has to go on because we have to try and keep the number of colors that we have by the last pre-release event at the end of the weekend. You actually want to have some that people want to use. So I'm not a huge fan of it, but but if you're going to do it, I guess six packs is the way to go, and then we give you this this seated booster. Now seven cards, it's not a lot of cards, but you know in the in the earlier ones, how many usable cards did you have anyway? Eh, probably about seven. Uh, there's going to be a rare in there, and the rare might be a mythic, and if it's a mythic, it's the planeswalker for the color you chose. Well, I guess it's higher chances for your for a planeswalker, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. But, eh. 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 <laughs> like, like, I don't hate it. Right. Like, it's not, it doesn't make me upset, but it's just, eh. It is what it is. It's not something I'm thrilled about, but it's not something that's going to, like, make me not go. Right. Right. Now, I, I guess it will make it so you don't run into the kind of, kind of feel bad. Because, I mean, when they, when they gave us a seated booster in place of one of the other boosters, if your other five boosters didn't support the colors in the seated booster, your pool was just abysmal, right? I wouldn't say abysmal, but it wasn't ideal. Yeah, but now we've got that extra chance uh, of of one more booster. So, I, yeah, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. I'd, I'd rather we just give you six packs and just go for it. Yeah, but they like the boxes. Yeah, yeah, they sure do. Uh, so anyway, yes, so you will pick one of the colors, one of the five colors, oh magic, uh, purple need not apply, and uh, you might get a planeswalker in there. So let's take a look at some of these cards. Now, my overall impression, and actually, Rich, let's hear your overall impression of the set first. Just overall, MTG Origins, if you had to sum it up in just a couple of sentences, go. Um, you definitely know it's the last. Okay. Um, just looking at the set, like you can get the—they're trying to encompass what the core sets were in like the, a very grand fashion. Um, like we're having some tribal, we have some just classics, you know, stuff that's you know we're getting stuff from everywhere, even recent stuff, and we just got the cl- some of the classic feelings of dragons and you know elves and goblins, and we got the cl- some classic creatures that are being reprinted, and I know it's just a. I just feel it's like it's a blast hurrah kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I I think it looks really solid. Uh, it looks nice. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't have tons to say on it, but I think it looks nice. Okay, okay, great. Uh, so I I agree. I think it looks good. I think it's got a nice little peppering of a lot of different uh, themes and mechanics and kinds of decks that you might see. Uh, there are definitely some color identities that come together. Uh, uh, pretty well. I like the tribal themes that run through it, which is no surprise to anyone who's ever listened to this show. I love tribal, so it's nice to see some tribal stuff. Now, the whole shtick for anyone who's been living under a rock, or if you're from the future and listening to our archives, uh, welcome back to the past, I guess. Uh, I hope the future is good. Uh, and that we don't have, like, quintuple-sided cards, but we do have double-sided cards, and okay, let's come to that in a minute. But the whole shtick, the whole kind of hook behind MTG Origins, 
is they took five planeswalkers and were showing you the origins of those planeswalkers. So the moment they got their spark. And so for each planeswalker, there are two planes kind of represented in the set. The plane that they're from and the first plane that they planeswalked to. And so you'll see kind of a mixture of themes and creatures and settings because of that. So there are like ten different worlds that we're pulling things from here. And our five planeswalkers that we have to choose from are uh, Gideon in white, Jason blue, Liliana in black, Chandra in red, and Nyssa in green. And for each of those planeswalkers, we have a legendary creature card on one side, and then that card can transform so that we see the back side of it, and it is their planeswalker form. Now, they have gone ahead and told us, just from a flavor perspective, that the planeswalker on the back is not meant to be the planeswalker that they became immediately after their first planeswalk. It is sometime in the future. Okay, so just power level-wise, just keep that in mind. The main reason I bring that up is because uh, Liliana, of all of these planeswalkers, is a pre-mending planeswalker. But this is not a pre-mending planeswalker card that you're looking at here when we when we look at Liliana. It's a good card, don't get me wrong, but it's not meant to be uh, a pre-mending. So, with that in mind, I thought we might start by looking at those five planeswalkers and maybe break them down, evaluate them, take a look at them, you know, kind of take a good hard look and decide if they're good, if they're going to see play, if we like them, if we don't like them, those sorts of things. How's that sound? Sounds like a joy. All right, so what color would you like to start with, sir? I will throw it out to you first. Mm-hmm. I'll take blue, so you can have... I'll take blue and black, and you okay. can have the others. Great, so uh, let's let's hit blue first, and uh, let's talk about the, the emo. The emo. <laughs> we have Jace... Vrine's Progeny. Yeah, is it is it Vrine or Vryn or what? Do I'm, we know? I'm go Wizards, please. Lexicons. Yeah, just put one out and just Le- update it. Is lexicon the correct word? I think so, because we, what we want is a pronunciation guide, right? Yes. Uh, just, just and tips. I don't need to see the I don't need to see the weird phonetic symbols either. I just want you just to spell it how you would say it. And that's it. That's all I need. Yeah, I, I guess what we're saying is, uh, wizards, uh, we, and I'm speaking both for myself, uh, and for the greater magic community as a whole, uh, we have no idea how to pronounce anything that's written down, like ever. Like seriously, just listen to some podcasts, ours included, and you'll see what we mean. So, go ahead and just, you know, write it out phonetically, not with like the crazy symbols, you're right. But just, you know, with lots more letters than you actually need, but just tell us. Anyway, Jace, Vrin's, Vrin's, Brian, Jace the Prodigy. I like Brian because Vrin just sounds like a kid's name. I don't know, it's just, I've read a couple books and the character's name is Vin, so I, I like Brian. Whatever. Brian's project, he costs one in a blue for a zero two legendary human wizard. Because remember, planeswalkers start out as creatures. And he reads, um, tap and draw a card, then discard a card. If there are five or more cards in your graveyard, exile Jace Ryan's Prodigy, then return him to the battlefield, transform under his owner's control. So, let's just look at him as a creature. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd kind of like to break this down by, like, categories, and we'll look at every one of them this way. So the first one is, 
let's start by ignoring the fact that they transform, but keep the rest of their abilities and just ask ourselves, how is this just as a creature? And I, I don't want to look at myth, the rarity either, because the rarity is the planeswalker. It's not the creature side. Yeah, absolutely. So let's not look at this as this is a, a two-drop O2 mythic. We're not going to look at it that way. Yeah, definitely not. Is he a creature I would play? Not necessarily in standard, but he has a lot of viability. An O2 looter. I like an O2 looter. Yeah, I mean, it's two mana for an O2, which at first is kind of like, eh, it's not great. But he's got draw a card, discard a card. That's that's kind of good. I, I like that. I feel like just that alone would see play, uh, particularly in limited. Yes, limited tons. Yeah, okay. So as a creature, we're going to say, tons. yeah, pretty good. He's. I'm going to put him in the not bad category. Right. Not spectacular, but he's got a role to fill. So then he just, but he will transform. Yeah, so that's going to be well, the next cause, category. Because you I, are playing blue. Yeah. And you may look at, oh, you need to activate JS five times. No. No. You're playing blue. Let's be real. Yeah. Your, your graveyard's going to be full of cards by turn three. Yeah, and since right so, now fetch lands are in all the formats, yeah, you've, you've got stuff in your graveyard. Yeah, and, it's, and this is not, and it's, it's not sorceries or instants, it's cards. It's right. cards. So, he's gonna come back down as Jace Telepath Unbowed. Uh, wait, before we get to the Planeswalker side, I'd like to look at the second, uh, category that I want to talk about, which I've described oh, okay. as flippiness. So, how easy is this guy to transform? And I think you've already laid it out. Considering his color, I think he's very easy. Yeah, I think it's very straightforward. I would I would rate him as good on flippiness. Good. Yes, I, I think he's, again, given his color, very easy to flip. Yeah. Okay, so, the backside. Jace Telepath Unbound. I actually like that name. I like it a lot. He has a blue color indicator, because he's blue. Right. Um, he's Planeswalker Jace, and he has five loyalty, which is pretty good for being... I understand he's not most likely... He's not going to be, you know, turning into a creature turn two. Mm-hmm. Well, he can't because he'll need haste, but it's possible. Yeah. So turn three. So that's me because you could get him to turn three. Maybe not standard, but you could. Um, five is really good. In his plus one, up to one target creature. They always say this so you can do it if there's no creatures. Right. Gets minus two, minus zero until end of turn. Okay. So let's pause right there. And First ability. A, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to flip relatively early in the game. It's not going to be like turn 57. He kind of protects himself, and he's at six loyalty at that point. So, hey, Do I like Jace, um, like, uh, Architect of Thought better because he does minus one to everything? Yes, much better. But I get it. It's fine. Not my favorite plus ability of Jace's. But okay, but we're going to call that fine. Fine. Okay, good. Minus three. The, generally the ability that gets used the most. Well, not the most, but you're, you're more using the spell for. Um, you may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. It gives something flashback, essentially. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it doesn't just say give target spell flash, but no, yeah, cause you still can't. Gives target spell flashback, its flashback cost is its man- casting cost, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, we'd have to add more words to make that happen. But, yeah, I mean, functionally, it's saying, uh, it's it's like Snapcaster Mage, right? Yep, it's, I should have said Snapcaster, Target, Instant of Sorcery. That would have been way better. Now, the interesting thing about this, though, is the exile of that spell only happens if it would go back to your graveyard, right? If it gets, like, uh, is it Remand that puts it back into your hand? 
you don't exile it. So it's different from flashback in that way. Uh, and sp- like re- rebound stuff as well. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, but uh, ability-wise, what do we think of this ability? I think it's great. Okay. I think it's out- outstanding. One, when he was a creature, he's feeding his yard. He's already feeding your yard, so he's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Does, wait, is he, is he a May? I just need to look real quick. No, it's not. Hmm. What's not? You can't choose, like, you can't have a Jace Planeswalker and then a Jace creature and then activate his ability and not flip him. Uh, no. No, you can't. That is not optional. I was just checking to see if you could do that. I like it. I think it's a great ability. I know how good Snapcaster is. Granted, I'm not doing it at instant speed. So I can't, like, the sorceries are fine if you're using them for your turn, but you can't actually, like, you could target remand, I guess. Like, you could target remand, cast a spell, and give your, yourself the opportunity to cast remand if you need to. Mm-hmm. Or any counter spell. Like, I think, to me, it's like saying, hey, I'm targeting counter spell. You want to counter this next spell, you can try, or you want to respond, you can try, but I'm going to do something. Yeah. So there's that aspect of it, but you're, I mean, you're announcing your play. But to me, I, I think that's a cool mind game you can actually play. But, or let's say, let's say I target a lightning bolt. And I have my entire turn to use that. Right. So I can target lightning bolt, do all my stuff, and nothing happens, okay, and, you know, before my turn's over, I lightning bolt something. So I like the ability a lot. I think it's, uh, honestly, it's the prim- being primarily what I'm going to use him for. Because mm-hmm. I think it's great. Because let's say I get him to flip on turn three. Sure, that's pretty, pretty, it's possible. It's not, not spectacular, but sure, it could happen. It's, it's not unreasonable. Let's say four. Let's be four for better sake. Sure, so four, turn four. Turn four, he's flipped. Um, I could definitely see, like, where I've discarded a Supreme Verdict or a Day of Judgment or something like that on turn four. A nice good turn four spell. What's the black one right now? The Dragon's Crux? Uh, yeah, it's a Crux of Fate. Yeah, I think that costs four. Maybe it costs five. We're going to say it costs four for the sake of the argument. Sure. Um, you know, Jace is no longer a creature. You don't have to worry about getting rid of him. And you're like, oh, I discarded that earlier. Wipe, board wipe. Instantly, like, it's just right there. You have a board wipe and you discarded that card. So it's just in the him filtering through your hand and putting stuff in the yard that you're going to be able to use later. It's kind of like when you had Liliana and Snapcaster. You didn't care what you were discarding because you're going to use it again. Right. And he just gives you that viability because it's always there, and I like that. I think it's a great ability. Alright, so that was ability number two, and I think we're agreed. This is, this is really good. It's, it's great. We'll go great. Okay, how about his, uh, his quote unquote limit break, or ultimate? Okay, it's minus nine, which is hefty. That is hefty. You get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, target opponent puts the top five cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. I like this emblem. I think it's awesome. Um, I don't like that it costs nine. Right. Cause what, let's, let's, what ultimates cost like that hefty of a price? Win game then and there. Right. Except I think Tamio, cause I think hers is eight and it doesn't win you then and there, but you have a really hard time losing. Yeah, it, it practically wins it then and there. This doesn't, you could fight through it. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm if we're both in a rough spot and I can't like okay minus Jace whatever I cast stuff you're gonna mill it's not ending the game no it's my opponent's like all right this is gonna be a little bit rough but I can probably f- I might be able to fight through it now if I go like thought scar you know I'm gonna thought scar myself into I'm gonna vapor snag into whatever stuff Delver did yeah it sounds great but Delver isn't like dark decks that do that aren't going that late of a game 
Right. I don't know. Like, com- like Commander, I think it's awesome. It's brilliant. Oh, yeah, definitely. But overall, I would, I don't ever see myself building, like, if I could build myself to, like, say 10, I'm still rather going to use my minus three. I think I'm going to get more benefit from the minus three overall. Yeah, I, I think you are definitely correct there. I think that uh, three is the workhorse here. I, I don't care for his alt, and I'm not ha- super high on his plus one, but his minus three, I think, makes up for the other two so much that I think this is a, much, a very playable card. Okay. All right, so how are we going to rate his third ability here? Like On a scale of ten? Well, I mean, so far, uh, we've rated things as not bad, good, fine, and great. I would say fine. Fine, okay. Yeah, it's probably, it's fine. But th- that's not where you want an alt to be. Right. Like, when a minus th- two is fine, okay, that's fine. But when their alt's just fine, I think that's a little lackluster. But I think his minus three is so great that it really makes up for his alt. Mm-hmm. Okay, then as a as a total package, as a planeswalker, not the front side, just the back side. How do we how do we feel about this? Good. Yeah, not, I think it's 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 good. It's not great. It's not. Um, there is, I think, Architect of Thought minus Mind Sculptor has been the just best Jace they've ever printed. Mm-hmm. Um, this doesn't do those things. This and no, this kind of provides you card advantage, but not like you're used to getting from Jace. Yeah. So this is a very different flavor of Jace. Because nowhere does he draw you a card. And that right. has never been on a Jace. Every Jace has drawn a card in some way. Yeah. I mean, his front side does, but... Uh... Okay, so how about the total package? Both sides of the cards together, how do we feel? I would play it. Okay, I I think I would rate it good. I, uh, I would say good close to great. Like, good point five. <laughs> good point five. All right, I like it. Good point five. Um, and again, that is that is the looting and the minus three. That's what gives it to me. That gives it the point five. Right. Because those are both really useful things. Plus, honestly, this Jace as a creature is going to draw so many kill spells. Yes. People are not going to want that to sit around. I wouldn't. No, no, they're not. One, if anything, if anything, they don't flip, and it doesn't flip forever. You are still drawing a card every turn. Never underestimate the power of a loot. It's really good. Okay, so let's leave Jace behind. And, Bye, uh, Jace. I am going to move to white here. Because I want to talk about the new Gideon. I do too. So, Gideon's front side, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to go with Kithion is his name. K-Y-T-H-E-O-N. I would have said I... Kithion. I think it's Kytheon. If I if I remember some of the Greek words I've seen before, I think that most the Y is a is an I sound. Yeah, the only reason I'm going with uh, with Kytheon is if you read his backstory, when he first arrived on a new plane, someone asked him his name, and he said it, and what they heard was Gideon. And the only way I can think of that happening is if it was Kytheon. All right, that's fair. Kithion, Gideon, yeah. Either way, his front side, uh, which is Kithion, hero of Akros, is henceforth forever going to be known as Kidion. Because it. it's, it's Gideon as a kid. So Kidion. Uh, Cheapest planeswalker you're ever going to see. He costs a single white, ladies and gentlemen. Single white. For a legendary creature, human soldier, he is a 2-1. So a 2-1 for one mana. That's what, Savannah Lions? That is... That's just fine. 
Okay, that is a great... We're already off to a fantastic start. Minus the fact that it's legendary, but yeah. Yeah, but still, we're, we're off to a good start. I'm happy. At end of combat, if Kytheon, Hero of Akros, and at least two other creatures attacked this combat, exile Kytheon and return him, trans- return him to the battlefield transformed under his owner's control. He does have to survive, huh? He does have to survive. He does deal damage, though, and that's something that the first time I read it, I, I didn't know. We'll come back to that ability in a second, but let's read the other ability here, which is an activated ability. Two and a white, Kytheon gains indestructible until end of turn. Solid. So yeah, this guy can come down turn one. By turn three, he can make himself indestructible. Hopefully turn two, you can get a couple of buddies for him to swing with. Uh, you may, maybe he can flip as early as turn two if you've got the right set of cards. I want to give you that, not, not turn two scenario, but the most common scenario you might be seeing. Turn one, Kidian. Turn two, Dragon Fodder. Turn three, activate indestructible, swing, get Gideon. Yes, I think that is a very, very reasonable thing. Uh, okay, so let's ignore his, uh, his transforming and let's just say as a creature, he's a two one for one that can make himself indestructible, not on turn two, but turn three, sure. I um, think I th- this is a good creature. I think it's great. Uh, if we ignore that he's a legend, a- amazing one drop. Amazing. Yeah. The fact that he's legend makes him a little less amazing, but still, you're right. That's a great. That is a great creature. White Weenie decks would love that card. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so flippiness. How well does he flip? Well, the kinds of decks he's gonna go in are gonna make a lot of dudes, and they're gonna turn sideways. So I think his flippiness is great. I like. I honestly think he is one of the best planeswalkers for a White Weenie deck because you, you get him as a creature first. Yeah. You're not sacrificing a turn of creatures because a lot, not a lot, but some um, white weenie decks don't play planeswalkers because they have to take a turn away from attacking yeah. that, or getting creatures and building your board. This you don't. Right. You lose a two one that can become indestructible, but you're okay with losing that because of the things you gain. So let's talk about the other side. So okay. if, if you manage to flip Kidian, he becomes. Gideon Battleforged. Eight. Love the name. Love yeah, the name. Definitely love the name. I think the art is pretty nice I, too. It is. I think they did a good job with the naming of the Planeswalkers, both sides. Yeah. Uh, he is a Planeswalker Gideon with a white color indicator, because of course he has no mana cost on the backside. He has three loyalty when he arrives. Which, it's not as good as the five with Jace, but it's also but, but, happening but, a lot but, sooner. Uh, yeah, on a roughly turn three Planeswalker, that's pretty average. Yeah. So let's talk some abilities here. Plus two, up to one target creature an opponent controls attacks Gideon Battleforged during its controller's next turn, if able. Not as good as Jura, but I get it. Yeah, so it is definitely, it's the come at me bro ability. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty good. It, it forces, it, it shapes what your opponent is doing, right? But it means that Gideon is probably taking damage next turn. So while it is a plus two, and he'll go directly to five if you activate it right away, uh, man, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I like it because it's it doesn't save you as much health as like Gideon Jura can because everything goes to him. Right. He's most likely gonna live. Plus, you are ch- like if you let's say you have a death toucher or you have something that's a decent size, you're choosing what to kill. 
You're not making the big guy come that might kill Gideon. You're choosing the little guy or this annoying creature, like this Jace. Yeah, I was going to say. You're this, per- perfect this Jace, yeah. This something else, you're going to make it attack him, which granted Jace most likely can just, um, you know, tap in, com- in declaration of combat. But let's just say Jace just got played summoning sickness. Mm-hmm. You, could he attack then? No, uh, you no. can't even make, can't even make Yeah, it, it can't force you to attack illegally. Well, anyways, you're going to make something that they don't want to attack, something like a mana dork, a sylvan, well, sylvan carries it as defender, but something that you don't want attacking into something that's going to kill it. So right. it's l- kind of like targeted removal through combat. Right. That's what I was trying to get. I was trying to get a lot of scenarios that didn't actually work out. Okay, so uh, other things, other things to keep in mind. We have uh, – we've gone up to five, maybe took a hit – Okay, that's 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 fine. I I still like it. So I'm gonna call this ability. I'm gonna call this ability. It's fair. It's fine. It's not it's not great. It might be good in certain situations. It might not be good in other situations. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say it's fine. Okay. Uh, his second ability is also a plus ability. Plus one. Until your next turn, target creature gains indestructible. Untap that creature. I love it. So let him next turn. Yeah. So I, good. I think that that is a really good ability. I mean, if you want to get, if you don't mind getting rid of the untap, that is two turns of indestructibility. Uh, how? I'm confused. Oh, never mind. It's not until end of your next turn. It's no, no, it's until your next turn. Yeah. Awesome ability. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I like that a lot. And, you know, he can do it to his buddies, right? Cause he just transformed and he was, at- he was attacking with some other people. Yep. And so he can just untap them and make them indestructible until next turn. So he protects himself. So, you know what? I'm actually going great on this ability. I think this is a great ability. I'm not going great. I like it, but it's not great. I think his first one is more great. Uh, I don't know. I like his second one, but no. oh, oh, okay, sure, sure. Force, to me, forcing attacking is so important. When you're trying, even even in a white weenie deck, to be able to control that battlefield, mm-hmm. control their big blockers that get your littler guys through, I think that's way, that's too, so important. Okay, then we have his final ability, which is not really a limit break. It costs zero. It's the J special. For zero. Sorry, Gideon special. The, the Gideon special. Uh, until end of turn, Gideon Battleforge becomes a 4-4 human soldier creature with indestructible. That's still a planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. So he's a kind of a combination of both Gideons that turn into creatures, except he's smaller. Yeah, and you're not only preventing damage that would be dealt to him, you're also uh, making him indestructible. So you get the best of both worlds. He gets all the stuff. He does, but he's still a 4-4, which isn't, like, it's, that sounds so, like, picky and greedy, but. Yeah, now, uh, a couple of things I want to mention about this ability before we truly, uh, give our impression of it. So the first one is, uh, he does not gain haste, right? So if you transform him and then activate that ability immediately, let's say you've got a second combat that turn somehow. Because, uh, you know, he had to live through combat just a second ago to do it. Uh, he cannot attack the turn he flips over. Just keep that in mind. Oh, it's because he just entered the battlefield. That's right, because he exiled and then came back. The second thing is, uh, if he is somehow dealt damage, because there's some damage that can't be prevented, there are some effects that do that, 
uh, you actually get the worst of both worlds. You, you get the double whammy. So he both gets damage marked on him as a 4-4, and he also loses loyalty counters because he is a planeswalker. Interesting. So just keep that in mind. It's going to be very, very rare that that comes up. Uh, what do you play against all those malignous decks? Yeah, he's, he's still indestructible, but if he runs out of loyalty counters, we still move him to the graveyard anyway. So just uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, okay, so what do we feel about this ability? It's 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 good point five. Yeah, I I think it's it's definitely at least good, probably good point five. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a four four. It's just, I mean, I I know I keep thinking of Jura, who was such a great in a control deck, where this guy is clearly not good in a control deck because you can't even really transform him in a control deck. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a four. I guess he's a four four and. I think in a white leanie deck, he's actually going to be fine because he's going to get so many anthems and things that make him bigger that it's no big deal. Oh yeah. So I, I don't. Know, I guess I would go great because he, he just, he doesn't have. Oh, Gideon Doomblade. Yeah, and you know, once he is uh, transformed, once he is into his Planeswalker form, he also dodges a great deal of removal. He does. So I, I am going to say, as a Planeswalker, just taken as a whole, this is a good card. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that is Gideon. Why don't we go from white to black? Oh, snap. All right, let's find her. Uh, we have Liliana the Heretical... or her- Heretical. Heretical? Okay. Yes. Heretical Healer. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Liliana was a healer. She was, and she was and, not great at her job. And I love the artwork, just the pure white... The, the, it's what they did with her before her human form was. Oh, used. yeah, her human form artwork is great. It's um, she's Liliana, the heretical healer. One black, black for a two-three legendary human cleric. Right. She has lifelink, which is already cool. Mm-hmm. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, exile Liliana, heretical healer, then return her to the battlefield transformed under her owner's control. If you do, put a two-two black zombie creature token on the battlefield. Already sweet, right there. Okay, so let's ignore the transform part, but keep the rest, including the zombie. This is a great card. Sorry, are you saying when a creature, a non-token creature dies, you get a zombie? Yes. Well, that is extremely great because it's not a one-time use, which it is when she's the planeswalker because she transforms. Okay, well then, then let's let's consider it as uh, the first time a non-token creature you control dies, get a two-two zombie. How about about that? I'd still, Still I think it's great. Still good. She's a two three life linker. That's great. Yeah. For three. I love I it. Like it. I absolutely I like it. love it. Yeah, I like it. Okay, flip flippiness. How easy is she to flip? Well <laughs> chances are something's gonna die. But by your hand or theirs. <laughs> That's right. Particularly, particularly in a black deck, you know, it's been nice knowing you, Minion, but I have to make you die now for this effect. So yeah, definitely I think she's gonna flip very well. So I'm gonna call that a solid good as well. Okay. I honestly think she's going to be the point where she's going to cast her, flip her, get this, you're going to get so much value for three mana. Oh yeah. Yeah, she, she may very well flip the turn she comes in. Three mana and a grave crawler, that's all you need. Yeah. So, and then you can just recast the grave crawler next turn, cause you got a zombie. <laughs> great. Just great. Yeah, I'm going to go from good to great. You're right. This is, this, this, she's so good. Okay. Uh, now we get to the other side. 
Liliana Defiant Necromancer. Black Indicator 3 Loyalty. Because she has to. Or she's not fair. It's, am I right? She has to. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. They could not give her more loyalty than this. Plus two. Each player discards a card. That's okay. great. That's literally out of the veil. How useful is that ability? Very. Seems dece. Um, I'm just putting that as great. I understand you discard, but. Oh yeah. No, but it's still. Great. Just yeah. great. Minus X, which I'm always iffy on minus X's, but this one's not too bad. Um, it's very Ashiok-ish. Reveal, uh, return target non-legendary creature with converted mana costs X from your graveyard to the battlefield. So, not necessarily a free reanimate, but you don't get legendaries, which are generally some of the better stuff you're gonna get, but, eh, costs you no mana. Yeah. The only thing is, it is exactly a lot, of, you'll see a lot of these stuff, which is X or less. This is not. No, most, is. most likely because you know what's in your graveyard, you could look whereas graveyard, or, sorry, your library, you don't always know, you might be missing what you thought you had or didn't ran out. I think that's why they give you X or less. Mm-hmm. But for this one, it is exact, which is something. How do we feel about this ability? Good. Real good. I, I think it's good. Yeah. I don't know if it, I don't think it's great because most of the stuff you want to reanimate is going to be expensive, so she'll need a lot of counters on her. Yeah. But, I mean, start to get value. Like, it doesn't take her long for you to be able to bring back a gray merchant. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take her long to get back some, some of the really good, some really good stuff out there, so. It's, yeah, she's, it's really, it's really good. Then, the limit break, the ultimate. Minus eight, which most of Liliana's are, I think. You get an emblem. I like emblems. And this one, I love clues. Whenever a creature you control dies, return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. Yeah, I'm just going to write down great here. I don't think we need to debate that at all. That is do that we, is a great ability. Do we have a real great? Is a really great? I, I'm going to add a really great, okay? Uh, RG, that is now our really great. Your sack outlets, you get so much value from your sack outlets now. But let's, let's just imagine we have a Lord of the Pit. I need to sacrifice something that I'm going to get back next turn. And it enters the battlefield. It does. And it, it enters the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. The next one. Not your next one. Not, not the, you know, next, not next turn, but the next end step. So you're, you've got the emblem. You're in combat. Your opponent, uh, kills some of your dudes. Well. Yep. They were tapped, now they're dead. Oh no, wait, they're back and they're untapped. Come at me, bro. This could be like, oh, day of judgment. Yep, this is a thing. My stuff's still here. Yep. In fact, I may play my own day of judgment. In fact, I may play languish. Just kill everything and my stuff comes back. Oh, was it, um, what's the devotion demon black that gives you harpies? Uh, he sacrificed eight creatures. Yeah. You sacrifice a creature. It doesn't have. It's not another creature. It's a creature. Yeah. So you just sacrifice them to himself every turn and keep getting more and more harpies. Too many harpies. <laughs> so there, it costs minus eight. It should honestly cost. Jace's cost more than this, and it shouldn't. Yeah, and and she goes plus two every time she does the discard a card, not plus one. So she's ratcheting it up pretty she, fast. She will die. No one will let this happen. She will oh, die too. No. Fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's dead. Totally dead. In fact, they're probably killing the other side right away. Yeah, great. This card's just great overall. It's so good. 
Yeah, okay, so as a planeswalker, we're gonna go great, and the total package is definitely great. Honestly, it's, you know, I, I love that when she transforms, she protects herself because she made a zombie when she transformed, yeah. right? So she's already sitting pretty. I would build a Liliana commander deck. Yes. That's how good I think it is. Hey, wait a minute. She only costs three. You can build a Liliana tiny leaders deck. Yeah. That seems awful. I mean, for everyone else, not, not as in it's about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Man, boy, Liliana. Awesome, awesome artwork, awesome name, awesome stuff. Kind of a tough act to follow, I fear. Yeah. We're going to move to red, because, well, I like red, and the red is, of course, Chandra, and I I like Chandra. I've got a soft spot for Chandra. So, Chandra, Fire of Kaladesh. She is one red red for a 2-2 legendary creature human shaman. She is a shaman. Shaman, she's a shaman. Whenever you cast a red spell, untap Chandra, Fire of Kaladesh. Well, that sounds pretty good. She untaps every time. She has an ability, tap. Chandra, Fire of Kaladesh, deals one damage to target player. If Chandra has dealt three or more damage this turn, exile her, then return her to the battlefield, transformed under her owner's control. So if we got rid of the transform part, right? So she's a 2-2 two, two for 3 that untaps anytime you cast a red spell and you can tap and ping a player. Now it's only a player, it's not a it's not a creature, so it's not perfect. But I still think this is a good creature just by itself. Um Delectrodes, I mean Delectrodes is a good creature. Yeah, so I I so, think oh, it's the nitpicky thing I have is it has to be a red spell. Yeah, but that seems fine because that's what I'm playing. I mean, she's got I, I mean, double red I, her mana cost. You're probably playing some red. I get that you're playing red, and that's fine, because I know she's not just a splash. But it's like, when Jace counts spells and stuff, he doesn't count blue spells. Yeah, that's because blue is unfair. We've talked about this. But not just green spells. Like There's like Garrick. I, mean, I think Garrick does require green creatures. I think, actually, now I think about it. It's just, I don't get the color alignment. I just... It hinders her. I think that's what makes her like. If she just said spell like Jelectrode, I think she'd be so much better. Yeah, I agree, but she might be too much better if that makes sense. I mean, they've said that making a red planeswalker that isn't just terribly unfair is very difficult. Right, but I don't think that would make her terribly unfair. Jelectrode wasn't terribly unfair. Granted, he was an O2, I think. Yeah. Okay, so are you going good here? You go. Oh, I'll go good. I think it's a okay. definitely a good creature. All right, so how about flippiness? Okay, so now we look at the flipping. So she has to deal three or more damage this turn to a player to transform. But, but easier hard. It's it, honestly it's easier hard because ideally you want to swing in, deal two damage. Yes. Cast a red spell, then you p- ping with her. Yes. That's the that's what you that's that's why she's a two two. That's that's her goal, right? Yeah, and let's actually think about how rough. Let's talk about the rough beats that might be. Okay, so uh, let's let's play her in modern. Okay, so uh, I've 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 got my I've got my Chandra. She's there. She costs three. Uh, so the next turn I untap, I attack with her, and say I don't know a pair of goblin guides. I don't know. I pa- let's let's say I just attack with her, and you've got one blocker. Okay. Uh, I had landfall this turn, so after I tap to attack, I cast Searing Blaze, which untaps her, but she's still attacking. Searing Blaze takes out your blocker and does three damage to you, because I had landfall. Then she hits you for two, 
I tap to ping you for one, so now you have taken a total of six damage from this transaction. She's done her three damage, she transforms, I flip her over, and let's talk about the other side and the rest of this. Just remember, you currently have six damage from this little shenanigans. Okay. Right. And I, I, I totally see where that's a high viability. I get it. Sure. But also, she's most likely swinging and turn four as a two-two. Right. Okay. So we're, are, are we going to call her flippiness fair? Not, or fine? Not great? I would, not good, but I would fine? say fine just because, like you said, okay. If they have one creature, definitely ways to get around it. If they have two, yeah, you got just double block. Just double block Chandra. She will die. Most likely, she'll die. Yeah. And so it's like, okay. It's like, if she had haste, I'm so much more on board. Yeah, she said, would be safe haste. She would be. It makes her so much better. But I think without it, it makes her so much worse. Mm-hmm. I don't like her flippiness. I get the point of how to do it. But on turn four, there's in a relative creature deck, no one's going to have a problem blocking it. Or like, let's say she's in standard. Sylvie Carrington just sits in front of her all day. That thing has hexproof. Yeah. That's just going to sit in front of Chandra all day long. Okay, so we're going to say fine on the flippiness. And let's go I to the other I, side. I would almost go less than fine. I, I, I'm comfortable with fine. I guess I, I can go there because it's not difficult. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be difficult to do. It's all dependent on how your opponent's draw is. That's what I don't like. It's so much on your opponent's draw. Like the other one so far is so much on based on your draw. This mm-hmm. one is so much more on your opponent's. Right. And that's, and, but also like, if let's say you don't have the red spell, I guess it's a red spell, so it could be a creature. So I, I guess I'm, I'm actually more okay with that than I ever thought. Yeah. Because okay. by turn four, you're not out of a hand. So the other side. Chandra Roaring Flame comes in with four loyalty and love a red color indicator. I love the name. I think the art is great. The four loyalty is nice. Really yeah. enjoying that. Plus one. Chandra Roaring Flame deals two damage to target player. Like it. Okay. Just do it. Yeah, so under my scenario, you have now taken eight damage on turn four from Chandra doing her things. So that is a lot of damage, but I like this ability. Uh, I'm going to call it good, not great. It would be great if it were target creature or player, but it's just players. So I'm just going to call that good. Okay. Minus two Chandra Roaring Flame deals two damage to target creature. It's like fine, less than fine. Yeah, I'm going to call that fine. Uh, It would be better if it were a lightning bolt and not a shock, but I mean a shock for minus two. Eh. It should either cost minus one, or you're right. It should cut, it should deal four. Yeah, I'm actually going to call it. I'm going to call it okay. It's not even fine. Because I honestly think for a planeswalker to deal damage like that, it's that's not a plus. Yeah, you should get at least two damage per point. Okay. I don't think that. I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's. I think her middle ability may be the weakest middle ability we've seen so far. By, by far. Uh, her limit break, her ultimate, minus seven. Not hard to do if you just plus her. Yeah, I was going to say, it's quite a bit, but she started at four, went to five almost immediately, most likely. Chandra Roaring Flame deals six damage to each opponent. Each player dealt damage this way gets an emblem with, at the beginning of your upkeep, this emblem deals three damage to you. It's hilarious. It is table flipping. That's what that is. That is... That is just a slap. Here's a slap to the face, and every turn you're going to get another one. Another slap to the face. That's, I think that's really good. I, I don't think you're going to do it a lot, 
But it I doesn't win you the game immediately, but you win the long game. You totally win the long game. And hey, I mean, you're you're out of cards by that point, right? Because you're playing a red deck, so you got to do something to whittle them down. Uh, so I I like it. I don't think it's great. I think it's good. I would go with that because it is. I mean, it's six, then three, then three, then three. It still takes a while to kill them. It does. I mean, and, you know, you're probably going to get to these sorts of numbers in, like, EDH. Now, something that you should note about this ability. It does say each player dealt damage this way gets an emblem, right? So if they somehow prevent that six damage that she was going to do, or even worse, they redirect it to you, yeah, now you've got the emblem. Ah, eat it, Chandra. And I expect that that will happen to someone at some point, and for that, we are sorry. Yeah, depends on who it happens to. <laughs> depends. Like, if you kind of got it coming, then you got it coming. Right. And you know who you are. Yeah, yeah, you totally know who you are. So, actually, I mean, of the Planeswalkers we've looked at so far, I hate to say it, but I think that Chandra is the weakest of the four we've looked at. I would agree with that. We'll we'll try and rank them all here in a minute once we get through the yeah. last one. But her, I bet her her best part of her is her plus two or plus one. Yeah. Okay. So lastly, we're gonna go to green. Now I I want you to I want you to do something for me, Rich, just as a personal favor. Yeah. I, ignore that this card is green for a minute, okay? I could I acknowledge how that the uh, World Waker Nissa was good. Okay, because I think this one is also good. I could be. I told you one of my favorite of the Planeswalker Commander decks was the green one. Yeah. I mean, I can think, I can acknowledge when green is good. I don't like when it's good. It bothers me and hurts my soul. <laughs> well, let's look at this Nissa and see what we come up with. So Nissa Vastwood Seer, two and a green for a two-two legendary creature elf scout. Should have so, been a two-three. Two, uh, yeah, I can probably get behind that, but let's see what she does. When Nissa Vastwood Seer enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic forest card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Should have been forest card. Uh, should have, shouldn't have, or should, oh yeah, shouldn't have been basic. I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, still though, I think that if you made just a 2-2 creature for three that got you a forest when it came in, in green, or got you a basic of your color, right? So let's ignore that it's green for a second. But if it just got you that basic, I think that's a playable card. It is. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying things to, that would have made her... I don't want to say, like, so much better, that I th- if for her to be a 2-2 two, two for 3, I think it should have been forest, not basic forest. Right. Okay, so I, I see your complaint, but I still think I would put this card in the good category. I'm not saying it's not good. Okay. I'm just saying those are two things I would have liked to have seen on this card. Right. So you wanted him to push it just a little bit more. Just a little bit step. more. Liliana was pushed pretty far. I think Jace was pushed. Um, I think Gideon was less pushed, but still good. Chandra wasn't pushed at all, but no. I think they should have pushed all of them. I think they should have done a little more on the creature sides to make them viable if you can't flip them or when they die immediately. You know, I think probably the reason they didn't push them more is because of limited. I'll be honest. They would just be such, I mean, they're already going to be powerhouses in limited and I think it would just be redonkulous if they pushed them anymore. I think they're going to be less powerful in limited because you are less likely to be able to control them what they do. Mm. I mean, I'm sorry, in limited, Jace getting to five in the graveyard is going to take a lot longer than it would in other decks. Yeah. Because you're just you're not going to be the the self mill. You're not going to be spell, spending as many spells because you're mostly creature heavy decks. I think I I think they would have been fine if that in limited. 
Liliana, maybe not. That card was ridiculous. Okay, so let's look at how she flips and evaluate her flippiness. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if you control seven or more lands, exile Nyssa, then return her to the battlefield transformed under her owner's control. Terrible. You think it's terrible? Terrible. I don't know about that. She costs three. It waits without ramp seven more turns. Yeah, but you're playing... Four more turns. I get you're playing playing green. green. There's not a lot of ramp spells. There's not rampant growth. There's not good search out a land, put it into play. There's not. Uh, depends on what format you're playing in, and uh, well, don't... I'm looking at standard. I'm gonna look at standard. This that's where I'm gonna rate these most of these off standard right now. Okay. All right. So Rich, Rich is not happy with the flippiness here at all. It's like, terrible. Uh, he's he's hit actually a terrible on this. I'm gonna go okay. It's seven. Your seventh land. Yeah. You're also playing green. It's a 2-3, or it's a 2-2 two, two, uh, for three. If you play that on curve, which you probably want to do, you have a 2-3 that is, or 2-2 two, two, that is practically garbage for four turns. I got you a forest? Limited will not, never be a planeswalker. Almost never will be a planeswalker. I'm not sure that I agree with that. I th- I think limited has few enough removal spells that you're you've got a good but chance for sticking. It's not the removal spell. It's you're going to need the blocker. Eh, maybe four turns of that thing just sitting there. It could happen. Could and you, but by the time you flip it, you might have taken too much damage where it doesn't matter. Okay, well let's 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 table the flippiness and let's assume that it did flip. Okay. What what do we get? We get. Nissa Sage Animist. Love it. She has three loyalty, a green color indicator, plus one, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land card, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand. Great ability. That is a great ability right there. That's great point five. That is great. <laughs> it really it's not, is. It's not just good point five, it's I, great point five. I think it's the best plus. Uh, it may very well be the best plus. Uh, minus two. Put a legendary 4-4 green elemental creature token named Ashaya the Awoken World onto the battlefield. Fair. I don't. Shouldn't have been legendary. Uh, yeah, it is kind of sad that it is legendary. Because uh, this is the thing that you only do once unless they kill it. And it is a minus two. I'm gonna call it, I'm gonna call it good. Maybe okay. Or maybe fine. It might be fine. I think fine. Not spectacular. Not, not Awful. It's kind of in the middle. I'm going to go fine on this. Okay. Minus seven. Now she starts at three, has to get to seven. So it's a slightly more uphill climb than uh, for Chandra here. But when she does, untap up to six target lands. They become six, six elemental creatures. They're still lands. Great. That is a great ability right there. That can end games. Right. I mean, by the time you got her to flip and you got her up to seven, having a six, six sixes. Yeah. Unless they have a, an instant speed board wipe that moment, they're probably dead. So I'm going to call it great. Yeah, I, I said great. All right. So as a planeswalker, just if we get her to that side as a planeswalker, what do we think? Just the planeswalker side? Great. Honestly, yeah. it's great. I think it's a great place. I can deal with the minus two not being the best, but everything else, great. All right. So now as a total package, both sides. Together. Don't like. Okay, so Rich is definitely firmly in the don't like category. Her creature size is too many downs. She only has three. 
I understand she costs three, but the chances of you having seven lands any time within turn five, outside of turn five, is ridiculous and not going to happen. I think you are underestimating the Green Mage's ability to get... Five, turn five, seven mana on turn five. That is ramping every turn besides the turn you cast her. And a lot of ramp spells cost two to three mana. It's now if it said if you could tap for seven mana, like if you had seven mana sources, you have mana dorks, I get it. I totally get it. Seven uh, land is ridiculous. So a uh, a a pay seven? Not even pay seven. If you had the ability to, if you have the ability to I don't know how you word it because there's nothing in magic that's like that. Uh you could word it uh whenever you have seven or more mana in your mana pool, transform her. Suppose we could do that. I mean, I guess there is Nissa's Pilgrimage, which I did not see. Yeah. So let's see. Turn one, Dork. Turn two, Nissa. Find a forest. Turn three. So play forest gives you three land. Then um, then you play this. Turn four, you got five land. Then you play another land. Gives you six on turn four. So yeah, you can make Seven. seven on turn five. So, so let's say everything goes that, that well. For, on, ter- if you paid five mana for a planeswalker and it was three, how pissed would you be? Uh, it would depend on the abilities, but I'd probably be pissed. Given her abilities on turn, paying five mana, cause let's say you pay five mana for just her planeswalker side. I think, I, I, I don't think having three loyalties okay. Uh, well, except that if I'm just paying five mana to put her out, I used mana dorks to do it, so I got her out quick. So. I don't know. I think I'd still do it. I don't. I think three is too low, personally. Okay, so we've looked at all of them now. Let's let's try and rank them. All right. Okay, so uh, who's at the top of the heap? Liliana. Yeah, I think it's Liliana by far. Yeah, Liliana, head and shoulders held aloft by zombies. It is. It is Liliana. Uh, who's in second place? I don't like saying this, but I gotta say Jace. So you think it's Jace? I think it's actually Gideon. I, as, but, a, but as the type of player I am, I put so much value on that minus three mm-hmm. in his looting. I, that's, to me, as how I play Magic, that's too good. I, and I love white weenie decks and playing like white white tokens and whatnot. I love that. Gideon goes great in those decks. I still think Jace is better. Okay, well, uh, I was going to put Gideon at two and Jace at three, but I think I'm, you're going to go the other way. Okay, so two and three are a Jace and or Gideon, depending on which one of us you ask. Yep. Okay, fourth place. It's Chandra. So you think it's Chandra? I I still think it might be Nissa, but my bias leads me to Chandra. I say Chandra is... I think I still think she's going to be easier to flip. Yeah, I gr- I agree with you. I think she is going to be much easier to flip. But Which, here's the thing: it's, she's a bit worse planeswalker. Yeah, that's the. But point. I think you're more likely to flip her than you are to flip Nissa, because Nissa. Let's let's say even if you did what we said earlier, you got seven men on turn five. That gives them two to three turns to kill her. Yeah. And she doesn't. She got you a forest, but outside of that, she's not doing anything. Like Chandra, they don't kill her. She, they leave her alone. She's still pinging. She is totally pinging. So at, and that, at least one a turn, maybe more. Maybe exactly, maybe more. End of turn, ping you, lightning bolt you, ping you. End of turn, five damage for one mana. Yeah. So on her creature side, she's so much more useful, and I think she's more likely to flip. 
granted, I don't think we get as good of a planeswalker on the other side, but I, that's why I write it just because I think I'm more likely to see the, the Chandra planeswalker than I am the Nissa. Okay. Well, I think we're on the same page here. Honestly, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised, but I think we, we arrived at a consensus on the planeswalkers. Now here's, here's the crazy thing. We were going to do this show about all the cards in, in MTG Origins, and we've talked for over an hour about like five of them. But we knew this was going to, we should have known this was going to happen. Yeah, we should have based on our experience. But I think, I think we should now, let's table the planeswalkers and let's just hit some highlights. Just hop around to a few cards that we feel we absolutely must discuss before we wrap this up. I want to hit Day's Undoing. Oh boy. I, I, I should have seen this coming. It's a sorcery for two and a blue. It's blue, guys. Each player shuffles his or her hand in, and graveyard into his or her library, then draws seven cards. If it's your turn, end the turn. Yeah. Which, I like that wording, because if you had flash, it doesn't end your opponent's turn. Uh, this I is true. Like that. I liked that wording. Was it, was it exile all spells? In a, oh, that are on the stack. Yes. They they made this kind of, I understand why they made the wording the way they did, but it's still just a sorcery, so you're not likely seeing it at instant speed. Like, the stack's most likely empty, because the stack has to be empty to cast a sorcery. But I, I get it, because there's going to be chances when it's not an, it's a sorcery. Hmm. But I think it's, I, it's great, and, I mean, gives your opponent seven cards, but okay. Yeah. Now, your th- seven are probably better. Uh, probably. It, it depends. I mean, the, the thing about this card is I kind of feel like since it does end the turn, if you do it on your turn, it's, it's, it's almost time twister, but not quite. But since it does end the turn on your turn, I, I feel like they might have damped it down a little too much because the kinds of decks that would want to do this kind of shenanigan are probably going to have a grip full of cards anyway. But what if they don't like the cards you have? Yeah, I su- it is just a way to reset, I, I guess. Uh, but unfortunately, it resets your opponent too, uh, unless unless you've been nuking their graveyard somehow. The other thing is, it does not play well with uh, uh, delve, right? Because if you delve away a bunch of your cards, but but you could delve away the cards that now suck, right? Exactly. And cards then you don't do want back in. Yeah, you can delve, now that you've got all your lands out, you can delve away those fetch lands that are in your graveyard that you don't want, and any spells that are just duds, just get rid of those. Yeah, okay, okay, alright, sure. Now, one interesting rules side note I will mention about Days Undoing, just so people are aware of it. This thing ends the turn on your turn. It's basically just gonna get rich, it's gonna nuke everything, and you're not gonna have any chance to do anything, unless, unless, something triggers during cleanup. Now, it's rare that that sort of thing happens, but it's possible that something like that could happen. Like, uh, you've got a creature that you've given a temporary buff to, but he's also got minus one, minus one counters on him, and during cleanup, we're gonna, you know, take care of that. The buff goes away, the minus one, minus one counters are still there, the creature dies. We're gonna get priority, right? Cause, cause things happened. Right. So, sometimes you'll get a chance to do something at instant speed. Interesting. But only, only sometimes. I just think it's an interesting card. Oh yeah, it is definitely an interesting card. I expect to, uh, I expect to get lots of questions about it. Um, I also 
Demon Pact's another one that I think is hilarious. All right, tell us about Demon Pact. Oh my goodness, uh, it's an enchantment. Um, it's black, black, and two. Yep. Um, it reads as follows: At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one that hasn't been chosen. And there's options below. First option is Demon Pact or Demonic uh, Pact. Demonic Pact, yeah. Deals four damage to target creature or player, and you gain four life. It's nice. Target opponent discards two cards. You draw two cards. Where's the downside? So you think, okay, all three are done. You just run out of options, so you can't use that thing anymore. Mm. Nope. Fourth option. You lose the game. Yeah. You have four turns to win. Three. Yeah. Or you've got to get rid of this somehow. And there's not a lot of sacrifice enchantment stuff. No, but I, I see this card being very popular in a certain style of EDH deck. Oh, yeah. Which I mean, or makes anything me that has, sad. Anything that has donate, because you can use all three options and have turned donate to someone. They have to choose the option that hasn't been chosen, right? Yep. Because when, uh, when it just changes controller, you're just moving it to the other side of the field. You are not uh, not bouncing it or anything, so it does not reset. Yep, so... If, if, God forbid, you are a crazy bastard and have more than one of these in play at a time, they each keep track of the options you've chosen. So just because you chose it for one doesn't mean you can't choose it for the other. I'm going to lose two games. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to play two of these. But, hey, qu- question. Yeah. Let's say uh-huh. I gave this to my opponent. Yes. F- first turn, they got it. They get all the other stuff. Sure. But also that turn, I altered Soren Markov. Uh, and I took their turn. Do I get to make that choice? Ah, uh, yes, you make all choices you, that the player would make. Because you can't concede for an p- opponent. Correct. But you can, so I could make that, I'm going to choose lose the game. Because I find that hilarious. Yeah, that, that totally works. Alright, people who play Commander with me, this is going to be hilarious. Yes, we are sorry. Uh, okay, so I've got to talk about a card now. I am so excited. So excited. There is Ugh. a very, very, oh come on man, you gotta give me this one. You gotta let me I'm have this one. You. I mean, they, they finally gave you some love. Goblin Pile Driver is back. Oh my god, it is so wondrous. It means he's modern legal now. Goblin Pile Driver, one and a red for a one-two Goblin Warrior. He is a rare. He has one of the most joyous phrases in all of magic, protection from blue. It's right there on the card. And if that weren't enough, a goblin with protection from blue, whenever Goblin Pile Driver attacks, it gets plus two, plus zero until end of turn for each other attacking goblin. Now, when we had Goblin Pile Driver, I said, yeah, Goblin Pile Driver's pretty good, but he's no, I'm sorry, when we had Goblin Rabble Master, I said, Goblin Rabble Master's pretty good, but he's no Pile Driver. Now we have both. Oh, I'm so excited about this. I am totally building a goblin deck for modern. Now, we're not quite to legacy power levels here, right? Because we're missing some key pieces from legacy goblins. We have no goblin matron. We have no goblin war chief. We have no goblin ringleader. But we still have chieftain. We still have goblin king. Oh, we have no lackey either. But we've got warren instigator. Eh, he's okay. Uh, warren instigator with the chieftain is actually really nice because then you've got a 2-2 double strike. He's pretty good. But oh man, it is so great to see goblin pile driver. I, I've always loved this card. Always had a special place in my heart. Thank you. Thank you so much, wizards, for, for giving me this one. I appreciate it. I really, really do. Oh. Yeah, what, what'd you find? I found, well, there's three cards I found. Uh oh. 
One of them's disgusting. Uh-oh. I didn't see this one yet. It's Nissa's Revelation. Okay. Have you seen this one yet? Uh, I think I have. Yes. It's five green green for a sorcery. Mm-hmm. It starts with scry five. That's a lot of scry. Then reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, which I'm assuming it's going to be, you um, draw cards equal to its power and gain life equal to its toughness. Okay, it's a lot of mana to be casting, right? EDH, you know people are going to try to find like an Ulamog or a Kozilek oh, and draw yeah. 10 cards and gain some, 10 life or some 12 life? big dumb creature deck is going to love this. Oh, it's disgusting. I mean, just imagine living the dream, right? The dream is uh, you find Emrakul. Well, Emrakul is not legal in Commander. Yeah, well, but, house rules. Well, okay, well, let's say you try to use it in Modern, something where he's legal. Yeah. But, oh, it's disgusting. Okay, so that's Nissa's Revelation. You, had, you said you had two more? Yeah, fun ones. Thopter Spy Network. This card's amazing. Thopter Spy Network. For two blue-blue, surprise, it's an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control an artifact, put a 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying on the battlefield. Whenever one or more artifact creatures you control do combat damage to a player, draw a card. Man, I can't imagine why you like this card. It's so good, Clues. Yeah, okay, I can totally imagine why you like this card. The other one I like is just hilarious. It's Willbreaker. This is a commander card if I've ever seen one. It costs three blue-blue for a 2-3 wizard, human wizard. And you're going to want to put this thing with, like, boots, uh, you know, um, lightning greaves and, like, dark steel plate. Mm-hmm. Whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes the target of a spell or ability you control, gain control of that creature for as long as you control Willbreaker. Mm-hmm. I like other people's stuff. I other, want it to be my stuff. Other people's stuff are good. It will be my stuff. My stuff. All right, so <clears throat> let me talk about a card or two, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap things up here. <clears throat> so this one, um, I've got to go back to green for a minute, and I apologize for that. But I want to talk about Sylvan Messenger. Sylvan Messenger, three and a green for a 2-2 creature elf with trample. When Sylvan Messenger enters the battlefield, reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all elf cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. My friends, they have made an elvish ringleader. Because this is goblin ringleader, except it's an elf, and we, we just swap goblin for elf, just sub that, and we swap haste for trample. And there, I think, is actually a problem. It has trample and it's going to get huge. Well, no, it has trample instead of haste, and I think it would be better with haste. The green doesn't really do haste. I know it doesn't. I'm just saying that uh, if you're making a strict comparison between the two, I, I think that haste on a 2-2 is way better than trample on a 2-2. But True. still, it's it's interesting to see elves get this. I think this has a, a, a home in the elf ball decks. I, I think it's definitely definitely really interesting. Yep. Uh, I also do want to at least give an honorable mention to the card right next to it in the card image gallery, and that is the Great Aurora, because it's something that green's not really supposed to do, but it does capture the flavor of Shadowmoor, which is what it was trying to do here. Uh, six green, green, green for a uh, mythic sorcery. 
Each player shuffles all cards from his or her hand and all permanents he or she owns into his or her library, then draws that many cards. Each player may put any number of land cards from his or her hand onto the battlefield, exile the Great Aurora. Yeah, you know this board state we've got and those hands we've got? Yeah, forget all that crap. Let's just do it again. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I don't like that at all. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I think it, you gotta admit, it's interesting, and you know that some bastard is playing this in EDH. Have, have, have you seen Fairy Miscreant? Uh, I have seen Fairy Miscreant, yes. Did you weep inside? A bit, yeah. It's a common for one blue, so one one, with flying, and when Fairy Miscreant enters the battlefield, if you control another creature named Fairy Miscreant, draw a card. Yep. That's real good clues. It is. It's going to get picked a lot in, uh, oh, in draft. People are going to try to get so many of those. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, any any other ones you want to talk about before we... Call- I love they are reprinting Night of the White Orchid. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't even notice that. It is That is a white, white, human knight... Rare for a 2-2 that has first strike. So that's already awesome. When Knight of the White Orchid enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands than you, you may search your library for a planes card, put it under the battlefield, then shuffle your library. It doesn't even come in tapped. So turn two, turn three. This is generally when you want to play this. Don't play your land. If they, if they already have, you know, let's say you're on the play or the, the draw, they play their land. You pay for that. You get your white mana. Then you pay, then you play your banner, and now you have four. This white mana ramp. Yep. Such a good card. It's a great card, especially for a lot of white weenie decks, because they don't run super heavy on land. Because you don't need to run heavy on land. Right, and this is going to get some of those lands out of there, so that uh, you're drawing more gas late game. Such a good card. It's a, Yeah. All right, I got one last one, and then we should really put this thing to bed. So, I want to talk about Pyromancer's Goggles. Sweet. Those, that card is sweet. That card is totally sweet. Five colorless for a legendary artifact. And I'm a little sad that it's legendary, but I see why they did that, because otherwise it would be stupid. Just really, really stupid. Tap. Add one red mana to your mana pool. When that mana is spent to cast a red instant or sorcery spell... Copy that spell, and you may choose new targets for the copy. Copy, scramble verse. Do it twice. <laughs> the glory. Oh, you're horrible. You're absolutely horrible. I was that just tur- going to... That, that turn will take like an hour. Yeah, I was just going to copy something that does damage, but okay, sure. But it has to be a red spell. It does, but I mean, it, it is the pyromancer's goggles, right? But it, but it's a mythic. Yes. Should let me copy Soren's Vengeance. <laughs> it doesn't pass the copy Soren's vengeance test. It doesn't. So many spells don't. Yeah, that's fair. And that makes me sad. That's Although you can copy twin cast, which you can use to copy Soren's vengeance again. Yes. It seems a little crazy, but you, you could do that. Why not? Sounds like a great idea. All right. So any others you want to hit before we uh, wrap it up? No, nothing that's... Um, Yes, actually, um, the Archangel of Tithes. Ah, yes. Stupid white angels that are freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. 
No, no. Hey, I think that is probably an accurate assessment. One white, white, white. So it's three white for a three-five flying angel. As long as Archangel of Tithes is untapped, creatures can't attack you unless, or a planeswalker you control unless their controller pays one colorless for each of those creatures. <laughs> as long as Archangel of Tithes is attacking, creatures can't creatures can't block unless their controller plays one colorless for each of those creatures. God forbid this thing gets vigilance. Oh yeah, that would be really sick. It's a good thing it's in white that has trouble giving. Oh. Huh. Good thing, you know, a Chroma's a Chroma's Memorial? Yeah. Memorial's not a thing. Oh, wait. Yeah. Wait, what's the... Heliod gives vigilance to all your creatures, right? Uh, I think he does. Man, it's been so long since I've thought about Heliod. Because the spear gives the plus, so that means he gives vigilance. Sounds like a pretty good card to play with Heliod. One, it's going to give him devotion like no other. Yeah, yeah, it is. Other creatures you control have vigilance. So yes, Heliod totally does that. Stupid white angels. Stupid white angels, indeed. <sighs> Card's so good, I love that card. Alright, so those were some highlights. I know we spent a long time on the Planeswalkers, but they are kind of the, the core of this set. <laughs> and they just, did there. and they deserved it. They totally did. Uh, and they are, let me, let me be just completely honest here. They are very interesting design space. I like what they did here. They definitely feel like the Planeswalkers themselves, right? They have an identity. Their identity is fairly cohesive between the two sides. There's nothing very jarring about them. And they feel like who they're supposed to be. Like, Gideon feels like a warrior. Yes. Liliana feels like a necromancer. Chandra feels like everything's on fire. And Nissa feels like the mage they made her into recently. Right. Because before she was an elf mage, but she didn't really, you know, you didn't really explain what she did. Yeah, they've, they've, they've definitely pivoted her from, hey, I do things with elves, how about elves, do you like elves? And made her into, I am an animist. Yes. And I think so, that's a good thing. I'm okay with it, I'm very okay with it. I think it's a great direction, it gives her a lot of viability for future cards, I love it. It's just, I'm glad they, they gave her that identity, and now they're sticking with it, I really like that. Yeah. Agreed, and- like, like, I would pay, I would pay mana for her, for her, if she, her side was just the planeswalker side, I'd pay, I'll play that card in a heartbeat. And it's green. That's saying a lot for me. That is saying a lot. A lot. But instead we have her creature side, so there goes that. Yeah. Alright, uh, and also folks, do look forward to, uh, we will have a flavor episode talking about the new backstories for all of these planeswalkers. We're definitely gonna do that here in the next couple of weeks, so watch for that soon. Um, I encourage everyone to go out to their uh, local pre-release. Have a good time. I do love pre-releases. I, myself, will be at Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. It's a great shop. You should check it out. This will be my final pre-release uh, here at Atomic Empire before I move to a new job up in the frozen north. So uh, it's I'm looking forward to it, but it's going to be a little bit of You live by Lake Superior. You do not get as cold as here, so don't even give me frozen north. Uh, no, no, no. Compared to where I'm living now, it's definitely the frozen north. Yeah, well, come live with me for some winter. I'd actually prefer that to the summers here. Oh, my God. The summers here, are uh, they're just awful. Just absolutely awful. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, so uh, that's coming up. Um, 
I, I hope you all are looking forward to this set. There's probably some, there, there are definitely some cards we didn't talk about that we should have, but I mean, look, we're already at, got what, like an hour and 20 minutes before I truncate silence on this thing already. Uh, so we're gonna wrap it up. If you wanna give us some feedback, if you wanna tell us how your pre-release went, if you wanna let us know how wrong we were and that Nissa was so easy to flip at your pre-release, I mean, whatever you wanna let us know. Please. If you want to argue with me about Nissa, I am prepared to argue all day, every day. Yeah, so hey, send us an email to argue with Rich. I think you should. He will write back to you. I will write back to you. You may not enjoy it, but he If you are prepared to be told how wrong you are, you can write me an email. Yeah, and the way you want to do that, if you want to write us an email, we can be reached at mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com. That is the show's official email. You can find us on the web. We are cardadvantagecast.com for our website or at cardadvantage on the Twitters. If you want to reach me directly, and it's not in long form, feel free to hit me up on the Twitters, and I am at Lockluze, spelled just like it is in the show notes. And if you have the brass tacks to tell me Liliana is not the best planeswalker, I don't even know if I have a response for you. <laughs> but you can reach me at Twitter at MindMage. There's there's a there's a four in there someplace. I'll let you guess where it is. It's in the show notes too, so there you go. Uh so here we are. This is it, the final core set. And I think it's it's a good one and I think it's gonna lead to a lot of fun play, so I'm excited. I think they're ending on a good note. Agreed. Definitely agreed and uh speaking of which here we are ending on a good note thank you all very much for listening and we will see you all next time Is there a magic card from an unset called Brass Tax? Probably. I feel like there should be. If there's not, somebody get on that.